Welcome to the In the Scriptures podcast. The following Bible lesson was previously recorded. Hello everyone, Lance here, going to bring you a, a Wednesday midweek Bible lesson and uh, thankful that you can join us. I uh, also want to remind you that at Sandlin Road we're back to meeting in the building on Sundays and Wednesdays. Uh, so we look forward to hopefully seeing you back in the building, if at all possible. If not, you're welcome to join us here uh, on Sundays at 11 a.m. We'll bring you the worship service via our uh, Facebook live stream uh, when at all possible. And then on um, Wednesday nights at 7 p.m., we'll have uh, this pre-recorded Bible lesson uh, for you as well. We've been looking at uh, Bible character lessons over the last year and. I want to continue that tonight, and tonight I'm going to really talk more about um, a specific character trait, and yet we do have a, a primary uh, character, if you will, that will be part of what we're looking at. If you have your Bible, I would invite you to turn with me to James chapter 5. James chapter 5. In James, there's uh, a lesson taught to us about uh, prayer in particular, but uh, really, it's it's a message to all of us as believers as to uh, things we ought to do at certain times. For instance, in James 5, in verse 13, we read, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. So here's a message that we should pray when suffering. He, he goes on to say, Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. So if you're cheerful, sing. In verse 14, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. So here's in a case where you're sick, called for the elders of the church. And then there's a teaching on this in verses 15 and 16 that we need to be sure we understand and put into practice as believers. He says, And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. We may have often heard even those verses uh, quoted and used in lessons before. But I, I want to focus for a moment on verses 17 and 18 that follow this text there immediately because they give us a Bible character and they give us uh, some insight about this uh, person in particular uh, in regard to how we view ourselves even. In verse 17 it says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Now, I want to focus on just a couple of things there as we kind of introduce our lesson tonight. Number one, in James five seventeen, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He was, in other words, he was just like you and me. He was... He was a living human being just like us. And the point that James is making as he writes this is that even as a person just like us, a man, a mere man with a nature like ours, his prayer was answered in a very powerful way. And we need to believe in prayer in that same way. But in thinking about Elijah... It's not only interesting or worth noting that he prayed in this way and had his prayer answered, but there's some other things that happen surrounding this time and this circumstance. If you turn with me to the Old Testament, uh, to 1 Kings, 1 Kings uh, beginning in about chapter 17, and for the sake of time, I'm not going to read all of this, but I would encourage you to go back and read these stories here 
in First Kings in particular to see the full context. But to just give you a little bit of a background and summary, Elijah as a prophet is a prophet of God in a very difficult time. He proclaims a drought upon the land because of the things that are going on. Uh, he has a message to Ahab that's a powerful one as well in chapter 18. And then on Mount Carmel, Elijah faces off against the false prophets of Baal, and he's victorious, and those prophets of Baal are destroyed and defeated. And then at the end of chapter 18, 1 Kings 18, uh, the drought ends, and that kind of brings the full bookends to what James was writing about, about how Elijah, through his relationship with God, his prayers to God, uh, brought the drought, ended the drought. And yet at the end of all that, we learn at the beginning of chapter 19 that Jezebel is seeking to kill Elijah. And as Jezebel is seeking to kill Elijah uh, because he had executed all the prophets of Baal and killed them, uh, Elijah takes off and he runs. Verse 3, it says, And when he saw that, that, that she's after him for his life, he, went to, he, he arose and ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. He ran for his life. What I really want us to talk about tonight is not just Elijah, but I want us to talk about... Um, times in which we might be disheartened. You ever had those moments? You ever had those times in which you just are really discouraged, really down and out, really don't know what to do next? Well, we all certainly, as human beings, all of us having the same nature, we face those moments. Some maybe more than others, some uh, more serious than others. But we all really know what it feels like to be discouraged. We know what it feels like to be depressed on some level and down low. And maybe some of you really know what it means to feel a real sense of depression. Or maybe you know someone in your life that is struggling with those things. And I might even ask the question, do you know someone who has had these thoughts of just wanting to get out of this life, out of this world, end it all? And those are very serious things and certainly things that need special help in many cases. But I do believe that much of the help that we need, if not all of the help that we really need, ultimately comes from God and our faith. And here we find Elijah in a situation where he's afraid for his life, and so he runs for his life. And then read with me 1 Kings 19 verse 4. It says, But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a broom tree, and he prayed that he might die and said, It is enough. Now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. He actually prayed to God to take his life. You know, sometimes we might get so low and so discouraged in this life that we actually want it to end. And I want to talk tonight about this discouragement situation that we can face and remind us of what really matters and what's most important and maybe some things that we can turn to. As we keep reading there in 1 Kings 19, I'll not read all the text, 
But we, we're going to see that the angel of the Lord comes to Elijah, appears to him several times, wakes him from his sleep, gives him the food and water that he needs, and encourage, encourages him to take a certain journey to go to a certain place. And when he gets to that place, God uh, gives a great revelation to Elijah. And he tells him in verse 11 of 1 Kings 19, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by. A great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks into pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And what we learn in that is that you know God is, is showing and reminding Elijah of his presence and his power, his control over all of these things. And ultimately, God is going to tell Elijah to go on his way and to go and do certain things in the name of the Lord. And I just want to point that out to think, you know, we often think of Elijah as the one who had the great victory over these false prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. We think of him as this great prophet of God, but Elijah had a moment here where he was really, really low. And you and I may have those moments, probably will, in one way or another. Because we have a nature just like His. We're mere mortals. But we also need to be willing then to listen to God, to listen to His encouragement, to accept His nourishment, to hear His reminders of who He is, and then be willing to do what He directs us to do. He may not appear to us, obviously, as He did to Elijah, or He may not command us or direct us exactly the way that He did with Elijah. But through the Bible, through God's Word and the Scriptures, we find what God tells us and what God encourages us to do. I'm reminded of a few passages in particular. Remember in Romans chapter 8, verse 31 after talking about all the different things that can come upon God's people, Paul writes to the Roman brethren, If God is for us, who can be against us? You know, there can be so many that try to come against us in one form or another. But ultimately, if God is for us, who can be against us? And then also in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 13, Paul writing to the church at Philippi, he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He knew in that context how to have what he needed and do without, and yet ultimately he knew he could do it all, whatever he needed to do through Christ who strengthened him. Can we say the same? Do we have that kind of inner strength that we know we can do what needs to be done and we can live the next day, take the next step in our lives because Christ lives in us? Because we have faith in God and we know that if He's for us, nobody ultimately can be against us. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul in talking about the effort to preach the gospel, especially the effort of the apostles and those early church leaders, he said this in verse 1, he said, Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. You know, there were a lot of reasons for the apostles early on to lose heart. There were challenges, persecution, so many things. And yet, he said, we do not lose 
heart. In verse 7, he says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. And again, pointing the glory back to God. But then listen to what he says beginning in verse 8. He says, We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifest, manifested in our body. That's a really powerful statement from Paul here about his outlook on these things, that he could be hard-pressed on every side, perplexed, persecuted, and struck down. And yet he could look at it and, and see another side to all of that. You know, so often we have a hard time seeing the positive side of any bad situation like that. But he pointed out that even though we're hard-pressed, we're not crushed. The pressure is on, but it's not crushing. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We're, we're there, it's not that we don't have answers. It may be tough, but we're not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. You know, even though we're suffering for the name of Jesus Christ, it doesn't mean that Jesus or that God has left us or forsaken us. Struck down, knocked down but not destroyed. And the statement in verse 10 is very important for us as believers as well to be able to echo the same thing when Paul said, always carrying about in the body, and so in this physical body, the dying of the Lord Jesus. You know, we need to remember on a daily basis, we need to remember all the time what our Savior suffered on our behalf. He left heaven and came to earth. He walked among men. He suffered persecution. He lived a life of a life of simplicity in order just to teach us. He didn't come to be served like a king. He came to be a servant unto all of us. And he ultimately died the death of a criminal as an innocent man, suffering greatly on Calvary. When you and I think that life has really given us something tough, we need to look no further than to look at Jesus because He truly was given a really difficult lot, a difficult cross to bear. And by carrying about in our body the dying of the Lord, remembering that and being grateful for that and being being inspired by that, then we also carry the life of Jesus in us. Because remember, we don't believe that Jesus died. That's, that's not what we only believe. But we also believe that Jesus arose, that He arose from the dead on the third day, resurrected with life that only God can give eternally. And so he goes on to say in verse 11, For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. In other words, we're always willing to die. 
for the sake of Christ. And if we're willing to die for the sake of Christ, you think about these apostles, then what else were they willing to do? They were willing to suffer. They were willing to sacrifice. They were willing to go without. They were willing to pick up and go from here to there to travel. They were willing to serve. They were willing to do anything. If you're willing to die, then you're willing to do anything for the cause of Christ. And so you and I, when we face our moments of discouragement, our difficult times in this life, when, when life really seems to give us lemons, as the saying goes, make lemonade. Well, for Christians, when life gives us these difficult circumstances, we need to turn to Christ. We need to look to Him. The Hebrew writer tells us this specifically in Hebrews chapter 12. And so often maybe we browse over this and it sounds beautiful and eloquent and maybe we don't let it sink in what he's really saying. But in Hebrews 12, beginning in verse 1, he says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, talking about all these people of faith, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. We all have our individual race to run. But then notice verses 2 and 3. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider Him, consider Jesus, who endured such hostility from sinners against Himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. When we find ourselves in moments of discouragement, we need to look directly to Jesus. Look at what He endured. Look at what He did for us. And look at these great people of faith who also endured difficulties, remained faithful, and were looking toward that resurrection life because of Jesus as well. There's so much that we can learn and take from just these few things in thinking about how we deal with discouragement and how we overcome it. But I also want to remind us what Paul commanded to us as Christians when he wrote to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 5, in verse 14, he says, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, and be patient with all. Those are words that we need to hear and we need to practice with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what he says. He addresses the brethren. He says, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, uphold the weak, be patient with all. So the next time you have a discouraging moment, the next time you maybe even just want to Pray to God that you could leave this life. Turn your eyes to Jesus. Remember the teachings and examples of the apostles of Christ. Turn to your brothers and sisters in Christ for their help, support, encouragement, comfort, and strength. While we're here on this earth, we certainly will have some tough times and dark days. But if God is for us, who can be against us?
And just as Paul said, we need to say it with confidence that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. I hope this has been beneficial to you tonight. If so, I would invite you to share it with others. I invite you to come and visit with us at Sandlin Road anytime that you can. And look forward to spending more time with you. Will you uh, pray with me as we close tonight? Our Father in heaven, we humbly bow before you. We're thankful that we can pray to you and come to you as our God and Father. We're thankful for examples like Elijah that show us the power of prayer and having a relationship with you. We're also thankful that we can look at Elijah and realize he was he was in this physical flesh just like we are and he had his moments of discouragement too. Father, we pray that you might comfort us and that you might strengthen us, that you might uphold us with your all-wise and all-powerful hand. We pray that we might uphold and strengthen and help one another as brethren to encourage one another, to strengthen one another, to be there for one another, that when this life presents discouragements and difficulties, that we will help each other through it as believers in Christ, following the example of Christ, and holding on to our faith above all else. Father, I pray tonight, especially for those who are in difficult situations, pray that they may gather strength from you, strength from their fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, and that they may realize that even though they're hard-pressed, they're not crushed, that even though they're persecuted, they're not forsaken, that ultimately, Father, you'll give us the victory through Jesus Christ. Help us remain faithful till the end. Forgive us where we fail. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.